TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Well, there it is. The snare drum means it is time for another edition of the Score North Gophers Show. Midweek edition. I would be Ross Brendel. I am at Brendel Ross on Twitter for the shameless Twitter plug. As you're listening to this show, especially if you're listening via Apple, if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review, leave a comment. We would certainly love that. If you're listening on Spotify, thank you. Maybe you're at scorenorth.com or that free Score North mobile app. Thank you so much for finding the Score North Gophers show and for supporting what we are doing here. And it's made so much easier when the football team is 9-0, and and it is a ton of fun right now. Gopher football team coming off a 31-26 victory over Penn State on Saturday at TCF Bank Stadium. I just had to, had to bring in my good buddy Manny Hill. Manny, I joked a few weeks ago, you're becoming the unofficial fourth member. You would be like the Ringo star <laughs> of the Score North Gophers show. Yeah. As to who is John, Paul, or George amongst James Murphy, Daniel House, and myself. Well, you're definitely Paul. Well, I'd like to think that I'd have to be. Yeah. But maybe we'll leave those up to the, uh, we'll (laughs) leave that up to the people listening to let us know. But Manny, all kidding aside, this this will sound so over the top and so dramatic. Mm -hmm. I thought of a few things on Saturday when the Gophers had their win against Penn State, and Again, we want this to carry forward. We want them to at least win another game or two this year, go 12-0. and That would all be awesome. Yep. But if you think about it just in the moment as far as beating a top-five team at home into November, just what it means for the program. But I mentioned I thought of a few things, Manny. I thought of my dad. I haven't even told him this yet, so if he's listening to the show, he'll hear this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I love go for football so much is because of my dad Yeah. and just watching football together. And then we had season tickets as a family for years. So I thought of him. I thought of how much fun we had at games. And then I thought about you, but in all honesty, in a little bit of a different way, mm-hmm. just how much pain we've gone through. Yeah. It's it's funny because yeah. I thought of my dad and like how fun this is and this is exciting and this feels so great. And then you came to mind and then all I thought about was all the heartbreak. <laughs> right? Yes. And some of that heartbreak is that Michigan game. Which, by the way, I had a chance to catch up with Brian Cupido, former I go for quarterback. He was on that team in 2003, not the starter, yeah. but did have a chance to catch up with him. He's going to talk about that Michigan game. So it's it's kind of fun and a little bit painful to hear what he has to say. Yeah. But that'll be coming up here in just a bit on the Score North Gophers show. But I, I did, I did want to lead with you and just get your thoughts because we talked so much about it leading up to it. It didn't feel right to not talk to you post the game yeah but I thought about you and all the heartbreak that we went through (laughs) but I just knew how happy you were and we were exchanging texts later on that night and it's it's funny because we joke like sports are great we work at a sports station sports are life but they aren't really life if Mm -hmm. that makes sense but it is amazing what one win can do for somebody yeah it it is you know, you and I, we've known each other, I, I'd seemingly say this every time I'm on this podcast with you, but you and I have known each other for 14 years, dating back to college, obviously. We've basically known each other for half our lives, essentially. Um, and, you know, we, we've both grown up, growing up in Minnesota, we've cheered for all the teams in town, whether it's the Vikings or the Wolves or the the Twins or, you know, the Gophers and the Wild and things like that. And we all, we've always wanted those teams to do well, but I think in the case of the Gophers, there's just, and I don't know, Ross, if it's because it's college athletics or what, if that has anything to do with it, but there's just something about wanting to see University of Minnesota athletics do well and succeed on the highest level. And I think, you know, you brought up all the heartbreak that, that we've sort of experienced watching go for football over the years and I think Saturday just just felt so gratifying on so many levels because how many times Ross have we in our years of following go for football have we seen this team this program be in situations similar to what they were in on Saturday against Penn State and come up short 
plenty of times. Yeah. Plenty of times. Yeah. I mean, it's not always, but it's close to always. Mm -hmm. I mean, without trying to to put them down too much. Manny, I think Saturday, this will shock you. I've never went through one of these. But Saturday felt as close to like a sports exorcism as you could possibly you could possibly have. Yeah. Just everything from there was a buzz in the stadium before the game started. Props to the student section. I'm almost positive they were full at kickoff. Mm-hmm. Props to the rest of the stadium. There weren't empty seats. And I've I've said this before, jokingly, I didn't mock the maroon out, but I said, well, that. How possible is that going to be? It's right. it's cold in November yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah, Manny, it was a maroon out. Yeah, people incorporated their you maroon. Were there. Yeah, they they either put their maroon on over their cold weather gear. <laughs> they had maroon hats. The row the boat towels were fantastic. It, yeah, it was not a championship game. It's far from it. PJ Flack has pretty much said that. Mm-hmm. But it had all the feels of that. Yeah, I think, I, and I I'll even go a step further with that feeling of. You know, you you of course had the had the pleasure and honor of being there at TCF Bank Stadium um, in attendance. I was at home on my couch watching the game on TV on, on ABC, and I can tell you, I'm sure being there, it felt like that sort of a championship type of atmosphere, and then seeing the fans storm the field afterwards felt like that. But I can tell you, Ross, I mean, it was an 11 a.m. kickoff, but even even despite that, even despite being one of the early games of the day and not sort of being on that primetime stage, it felt like a primetime game because it was on ABC. It was Sean McDonough, who you and I have both agreed for many years is one of the best in the business, calling the game. Todd Blackledge, the color guy, he's always been one of the guys near near the top of the biggest games that are on ESPN slash ABC He's always been in the booth for a lot for a lot of those games over the years, national championship games he's called. Just watching the game on TV and having those two guys in the booth, it being on ABC, national audience, that 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 was big time. It felt like a championship game. And to see again, to see the Gophers come out on the winning side of that too, on that stage, is just it's 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 through the roof because we just have not seen that. Well, I want to mention two things in that, and then we'll go into my uh, interview with uh, former Gopher quarterback Brian Cupido. I went back and watched the game. Big Ten Network does this fantastic thing where they'll do like I think they call BTN College Football in sixty. Yep. So they literally think about that though. I spend three and a half hours at a Gopher <laughs> game on Saturday. Big Ten Network literally shows me everything in sixty minutes. In an hour. Yeah. There, there is some downtime <laughs> in college football and yeah. uh, even the NFL breaking. Breaking news there. I thought the crowd on TV sounded awesome. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but just on TV, you could tell how into it people were. And I know that resonated across the country. And Manny, I actually have, have a note here. I forgot where I pulled this from. I'll see here in a second when I grab it. This actually came from, where did I pull this? From the Star Tribune, but I know other people have pulled it too. That was ABC's highest rated college football game in a few years, since 2016. Mm. Wow. That's impressive. That's that's huge. Yeah. That's and that's massive. that's in that time slot, in the 11 a.m. Sure. time slot. But yeah. that's, I mean, you're talking three years. It was Michigan-Ohio State was the last time they had numbers that big, going back three years. And that's and that's saying something, considering that, that, that Saturday's game ranked right up there with one of the longest-running and greatest and most contested, bitter rivalries, not just in college football, but in college sports, period. Michigan and Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. That's yeah. massive. Well, and then you're also thinking, too, Manny, it's quite possible. I'm trying to remember exactly when Minnesota-Penn State ended, but I feel like the end of that game might have overlapped a few minutes with the beginning of LSU-Alabama. Mm-hmm. So you probably had people sticking around to see what was going to happen. And very quickly, I know I keep promising this. Oh, that's fine. The thing that I thought was fantastic, I keep promising Brian Cooper, I promise we're going to get to that interview here very <laughs> shortly, what I thought was great, too, and I heard Judd bring this up on Mackie and Judd with Rami, also available via podcast wherever you're listening to this Gopher show. Judd brought up just how great it was that the seeming quote-unquote Gopher-like things happened to Penn State, right? Guy maybe gets tackled a little bit by the turf monster, mm-hmm. and then two plays later, suddenly they have third and goal from the 25 or second and goal from the 25. I can't remember if they ran a play before the interception or not. Yeah. We've seen those things typically happen 
to a gopher football team, it's nice that in this case that that it didn't and allowed that party atmosphere. I have a couple pictures on my phone, Manny. I tweeted some people. Mm-hmm. It, these pictures, jokingly, but not so jokingly, they mean everything to me. Yes. As somebody who sat through so many games where three quarters through the game you thought, oh, this is going to be awesome, and then somehow 30 minutes later you're leaving the stadium going, what the bleep happened? Yeah. It was well, awesome. Well, and, and the other part of that, too, and I thought P.J. Fleck, put it perfectly i thought his post-game interview with holly Rowe was fantastic i thought his his post-game press conference with the media after the game saturday was fantastic and you know pj said something that i thought was really really important is that all of those heartbreaking games that you and i have lamented over the years the the michigan game in 03 the uh you know the the, the Inside Bowl in 2006, which I'm sure Brian Cupido will probably get into uh, a little bit with you in the next segment here. Um, even the, the Michigan game in 2004, the next year where a true freshman Chad Henney marches Michigan 85 yards down the field with no timeouts to beat the Gophers late in that game. I mean, there, there, there are so many. All of those now, I mean, especially after Saturday, you just kind of – Forget about those games now. I mean, they're still in your memory. They're they're hard to completely forget. But I think with the Gophers coming through in a big way on Saturday and and sort of avoiding that heartbreaking loss, because if Penn State scores a touchdown there on that last drive and wins the game, you you take that game on Saturday and you put it right in the bin of all the other games, unfortunately. But because they sort of exercise that demon so to speak you it does sort of make you forget forget about you just sort of look past at all the heartbreaking games and just like okay well they're just heartbreaking games and you don't really you know now that the gophers can win games like this and that it it just it 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 almost sort of makes those games not not matter as much not not sting as much manny part of the reason why we didn't have to put that game in the bucket of tough losses was because of the play of quarterback Tanner Morgan, and this yes. will be a great time to segue into former. First off, thank you for your time. Absolutely. And now, as promised, we'll segue into former Minnesota Gopher starting quarterback Brian Cupido. I asked him about Tanner Morgan. I started off and, and basically just flat out said, Brian, what is your opinion of Tanner Morgan? I told Brian, I just liken him to a gamer. He seems to just get the job done. We'll start with Brian's response to that question and move into some other topics. When I've watched him play, he's not the flashiest person, but that doesn't matter. He makes plays. They have two of the best receivers the Gophers have ever had. They have two of the best receivers currently in the Big Ten. There's no doubt about it. But he puts balls that are perfect for those guys to catch. I mean, Tyler Johnson had that catch, that one-handed catch, you know, Saturday, which is remarkable. But still, uh, Tanner Morgan puts the ball where he needs to put it. He finds them at the right times. Um, he never seems rattled. So he's got the ultimate confidence of the team, you can tell. And there's no way in the world, with all the talent they have, this team is 9-0 without him playing at an extremely high level. You know, a lot of it starts with the quarterback, good or bad. And you got to give all the credit in the world to him right now because he is playing extremely well. And, again, with those great receivers, you still got to get them the ball in the right situations at the right times, and he's definitely doing that. When you were playing, what made going to Kinnick so tough? Why is that such a difficult place to play, and what are the Gophers in store for this Saturday? Oh, my goodness, that was not not a good experience either time. Um, we went there in 2003, the last game of the year, and got pounded. They beat us pretty good. And we went back in 2005, my junior year. You know, and they were not supposed to be that much better than us, and the game was over by halftime. I mean, they took it to us. They have a great fan base. They had some really good teams back then. I mean, they had Abdul Hodge, Chad Greenway. They had some really good Iowa teams back you know, in the early 2000s. I'm not sure I was as good as they were, as good as they are now, or excuse me, as they were back then. They are now. Um, but they do have a great fan base. If you look behind the Gophers bench, their fans are literally right behind you. I mean, they can't be any closer, and they're running their mouth the whole time, which is cool. I mean, it makes it a cool atmosphere. And obviously they have that pink locker room. It's a very nice locker room, but it's pink. But it's, it's a great place. It's a great atmosphere. Hopefully the Gophers can you know go in there Saturday and win, because I'm not mistaken, they have not won there in, what, 20 years? Yeah, 99, Brian. 99. Well, I do think it ends this Saturday. I do think the Gophers go in there and win. Um, it would definitely be great to finally beat them on the road. Beating them anytime is great, obviously. But especially, forget the rivalry. I mean, the Gophers are playing for so much right now, being 9-0. So 
the rivalry just helps create even more of an exciting atmosphere. Um, but, if, you know, if I'm on that team right now, I'm worried about let's get to that Big Ten title game. Let's take it one game at a time and get there. Forget the rivalry. So I do think the Gophers can prevail on Saturday and go to the next week, and they're still have, still their hopes are alive. Yeah, Brian, I was joking last night. I was talking with Phil Mackey, one of the hosts of Mackey and Joe with Rami on Score North, and I told him, I, I said, as we're watching the college football rankings be unveiled, I'd watched the show before, but I just kind of forgot the format, right? And I said, think about how much uncharted territory this is. We're both sports guys, love college football, love sports in general. We're watching this ranking show unveil, and we have no idea how the show works, right? It's un- it's uncharted territory. It's it's laughable from the standpoint of at the beginning of the year, if you would have said the Gophers at this point in the season would be 9-0 and and we'd be talking college football playoff, it's it's really tough to process, but at the same time, it's really exciting. It shows, I think, what this program can be and what they can do. Did you ever in your mind envision a day where this was going to be possible this late into the season where you can realistically talk after the Penn State win about there's a path to the college football playoff. Yes, it's going to be tough, but there is a path. Um, yes and no. If we, if we go back to when I came to college there, that 2003 team was legit. They were a legit team. If we win that Michigan game, I'm telling you, that season's a different ending. I mean, the confidence of that, our whole season just got destroyed. We lost that Michigan game. So I, I thought at that point, 2004, if I would have played better in 2004 down the stretch, we could have gone to the next level. You know, I struggled down the last couple of games, which killed our team. But I thought those years, those two years, maybe 2005 a little bit, we had a chance to really get in that top 15, top 10, and make a name for ourselves. And then from there, it didn't happen. We kind of fell back. So now you fast forward 2019, you know, when they started the season off 8-0 and people were questioning their schedule, and I kind of thought, okay, let's see what they got against Penn State. When they won that game, it, it didn't feel like it was a, a fluke. I think if Minnesota plays Penn State again, they would beat them again. Not one part of that game felt like a fluke from what I watched. Um, and then, like you mentioned, now you're watching a BCS show on ESPN on a, on a Tuesday evening. I've never watched that show in my life. You know, I just look on ESPN the next day, see who's ranked where. But when I left my daughter's basketball practice last night, I had seven or eight text messages for people from people I don't talk to very often. Can you believe the Gophers are number eight? I mean, people are, the excitement is just crazy right now. You know, I think of Minnesota, you think of the Vikings, you think of hockey, the Twins, but the Gopher football to be what it's at right now, is just such a great thing for everybody, the whole city. Um, but again, I did. I, I guess I'd answer your question though completely. I did think there was a time where the Gophers could be in the top ten in the early 2000s, and now that they're there, it's just it's great to be, great to see, and great to be part of. You saw the atmosphere at TCF Bank Stadium on Saturday. Is that something you would have liked to have had the opportunity to play on a stadium or to play in a stadium that was on campus, or did? Was that something that at the time you just didn't really think about or did you even really care about at that time? Because obviously I know you had a chance to go to other places that were on campus and ultimately you chose Minnesota and playing in the Dome. But can you talk about maybe what that might have meant to you? Uh, well, that's kind of an interesting story. So Greg Hudson recruited me originally to come to Minnesota. He was from Cincinnati originally also. So that was kind of my connection to Minnesota. And he told me my senior year of high school, by the time I was a senior in college, we'd have a new stage to play in. So my first, the first season of TCF would be my senior year. Now, I didn't like, obviously do enough research on that. He also told me I could be number 10. Number 10 is also retired at Minnesota. So that just goes with that part of the story. <laughs> but to play on campus would be awesome, you know, especially in a new stadium. I thought that would be a really cool thing. You know, being a quarterback selfishly, the Metrodome was fine for me because you don't have to worry about the weather. Um, but overall for the program and the campus, you want the, you want the stadium right on campus. You want the students to be around. I was not at TCF Bank on Saturday. Um, again, I was with my kids for the basketball games, but everybody that was there that I talked to and was texting me said it was the best atmosphere they've ever seen for any Gopher event in the history of any sport they've been to for the Gophers. So, obviously, it was, it was awesome. It looked awesome on TV. Yeah, but having that, that stadium right on campus is a phenomenal thing, and I think that's really helped the program go to the next level. Yeah, Brian, I was there on Saturday. I've been a, a season ticket holder going back with my family and now on a separate plan, basically back to your days and, and boy, early, early 2000s at the Metrodome. And it was, it was awesome. It rivaled that night. And obviously the the outcome ended up being just a little bit better. But all, the last time I could remember a crowd being that invested 
and that into it was the Michigan game in 2003. And and Brian, I'll, I'll be honest here. I laughed a little bit when they said it's going to be a maroon out. And I said, well, how's that going to work? It's going to be freezing. I mean, not freezing, but you you know what Minnesota winters are like or falls and, and what Saturday was like. But Brian, the fans brought it and it was a maroon out. Everybody found a way to incorporate maroon, even if they were wearing winter jackets. It was it was very cool to see. Brian, I don't want to let you go without giving you a chance to redeem yourself. You talked about your trips to Kinnick and your games against Iowa. There was a good win against Iowa for you. You did beat them at the Metrodome in 06. Do you remember anything about that game that was special or fun? Yeah, well, that was my, that was my last game my senior year. If you got to keep in mind, though, Iowa 2002 through 05 had probably 10 legit NFL players. They had a four-year stretch there where they had some just cool, great players. 2006, they lost all of those guys. We should have won that game. We did win that game finally against Iowa. Um, it was senior day in the Metrodome. So it was a great way to end the season. And if you remember that season, we struggled. We were 3-6 and six at one point. We had to win our last three games just to make a bowl game. So we ended up playing them the last game. We beat them to qualify for a bowl game. We eventually went to the inside bowl and played Texas Tech. Um, but anytime you can beat Iowa, a rivalry game is fantastic. And, again, the fact that the Gophers are 9-0 and and they haven't won in Iowa, in Iowa City in 20 years, makes this Saturday even more special. Brian, I wanted to ask you about rivalries. The University of Minnesota plays for four trophies with Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Where would you rank that Iowa rivalry? And just in your own mind, the rivalries that you played, where would you put them maybe one through four, if you don't mind? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Penn State, this year the Penn State game obviously meant a lot, but I'd put that number four. I've never truly understood how Minnesota and Penn State are rivals, um, just based on geography and you know stuff that goes with that. <clears throat> Not that you don't want to win, obviously, but I'd put that number four. Number three, I would guess I'd put Michigan. However, when I played, I would say Michigan was probably number one because we obviously that was such a big game for us, 2003, 2004, 2005, um, and we beat them one out of the four years that I played against them. Um, and you obviously want that jug in Michigan with all the history of the school. Um, but I'd say overall, your main two rivals, I'd put one and two are the same, Wisconsin and Iowa. You know, half half the people on our team hated Iowa more, half the people hated Wisconsin more. Just kind of dependent on where you were from. Um, so either time, either time you can play Wisconsin, Iowa and win. I mean, it's, not, it's just a great experience. Um, I think it was my 2003 year, Reese Floyd hit that field goal at the you know, last play of the game to beat Wisconsin. That was a great environment. It was a great night celebrating with all your teammates. You know, 2006, we beat Iowa. Finally, at the Metrodome, that was a great experience. You know, so anytime you can beat Wisconsin and Iowa at all is a huge thing for the program. But I wouldn't say there's a one or two. I kind of put those two together. Well, you know it's a true rivalry, too, from your standpoint when you talk about trying to go through the locker room. And people really can't tell you. I know they probably just say that they want to win, right? I think to put Wisconsin one and two, that's that's exactly where I would put it. I'd probably, from my standpoint, obviously, as a fan, I'd say – I'd say 1A and 1B, Brian, jokingly, I've said this for years. I go into every Saturday and I want two or three things to happen, one always being a go-for football victory, but then for me to quantify it as being a good Saturday, I want either Wisconsin or Notre Dame or both to lose. If I can get two out of three or all three, it's a great Saturday. And this year I've been getting that with more frequency, so that's been – that's been awesome from my standpoint. A while back, I had Ben Utek on the show, and I asked him to tell me a good Gwen Mason story, if he could tell it to us. And he had one where he said at one point during practice, he didn't name the name, but he said that Gwen made a player basically run all the way to McDonald's and back. Do you have Do you have anything that can rival that story? Well, I mean, that, that was Greg Essling and I had to do that. Oh, you, oh so he didn't want to name you. So 2004 was my first year starting. Esslinger had started 2003. Speaking of him, I'm in Bismarck, North Dakota right now. Small world. But so 2004, and during two days, I fumbled a snap. It was my fault. I pulled my hands apart, fumbled a snap. Maybe two days later, the same thing happened. Now, I think it was Greg's fault. He blamed it on me. But either way, Coach Mason made him and I run to McDonald's, buy him a Diet Coke, and run back. And I guess the embarrassment was supposed to, you know, make us not fumble the ball again. We didn't fumble the ball again, so I guess it worked. But it was just more awkward. I mean, I haven't remember telling my quarterback's coach. I don't know if that was supposed to be embarrassing or mean or what. It was just freaking awkward. But <laughs> I guess it worked because we didn't fumble any more snaps. Um, but, but that was a, obviously 
you know, a good story just because, you know, UTEC brought it up, and that's the first thing I thought of, just being for something different. But, you know, Coach Mace did a great job. Obviously, I've seen him in the airport a few times, and he's still obviously in the media. And I'm sure he feels a big part of this program right now as well because he was basically at this level in 2003, 4, 5, that time frame. And um, for them to finally get over the hump, I'm sure he feels the same appreciation that us other former players do. Yeah, you mentioned you were promised on your recruiting trip that the stadium was on the way, and obviously it took a few years after you graduated. But I'm a firm believer without what Glenn Mason did in the in the mid to late 90s into the early 2000s, without him, I'm not entirely positive to this day if there is TCF Bank Stadium. Maybe there is. It just might have taken a little bit longer. I'm a firm believer in that. Am I wrong on that opinion? No, I mean, just from – I don't disagree at all. You know, he's got a bad ending. You know, 2006, we're beating Texas Tech by 100, below the game in overtime and lose. You know, the next day he gets fired. So I felt like I never really got closure with him or the other coaches because, you know, my senior year, then the day after our last game, they're gone. So they're looking for new jobs, and then the stadium opens two years later. He never really got to be part of the program with the new stadium, even though even though he helped get all the momentum going to get that stadium. Um, and, you know, the other coaches as well. So I felt like he kind of got, you know, short in the stick in that deal um, but I'm sure at this point you know just from seeing him a few times and you know talking to him I'm sure he appreciates it he understands it I think the alumni understand the role he had in that and definitely his former players also realize and understand the role and impact he had in getting that stadium built to what the program is now yeah my goal is to see him on a Saturday at some point doing the pump-up video to get the crowd going it would be uh it would be fun to see you doing one too maybe we can get both you and Mason together on the Jumbotron Maybe we'll start well, that movement. You better start that movement. That's not exactly my thing. I'm not like a rah-rah guy. But if you can get him out there, that could change the whole dynamic. That's for sure. Hey, who had to buy the Diet Coke? Was that you or Greg? No, I think he gave us cash, if I remember correctly. And I remember both of us just running over there like, what are we doing right now? We bought the Diet Coke. I, I'm, I don't think he even drank it. It was more just the principle of the thing. Then we came back to the stadium and our practice, and on we went. That that's as good as it gets. I'm glad I asked that question. I honestly I had no clue it was you. That was not a plant. He he refused to name the player. I didn't even know it was player. So in a roundabout now, way, he might have done that. He might have done that for other players as well. I just know that one because it was Greg and I that had to do it. So I, I don't know that he did that for other players. But if someone else did it, I wouldn't be shocked. I just I don't have knowledge of that. But Greg and I definitely we did that. There's no doubt about it. Final question as you uh, wait to uh, get on a plane and get out of Bismarck and back to the Twin Cities. It sounds like you're thinking the Gophers are going to win on Saturday. Any any keys to victory from what you know or just any uh, final thoughts on what you think will happen on Saturday between the Gophers and Iowa? 3 o'clock at Kinnick, it looks like it should be a pretty nice day, temperature in the upper 30s. The only thing that concerns me is obviously the Gophers just came off a huge win. I mean, the biggest win in however many years. And just not that there'll be a letdown, but you got to have that same enthusiasm and energy you came out with against Penn State. And I know Coach Fleck, who seems to have more energy than anyone I've ever seen in my life. I'm sure he'll have everybody ready, but your mindset's got to be the same as it was against Penn State. you got to come out ready to go out of the gates. Um, so I'm not really worried about the X's and O's or who's the better team. I do think Minnesota is the better team. It's just a matter of not having that, you know, that mental letdown to keep Iowa in the game. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, you're in a bad situation. Um, so I do think the Gophers win. I do think it's a close game. Um, but, you know, if they get out of that 10-0 going to Northwestern, they're in fantastic shape, you know, for the, for the Big Ten title game and who knows from there. So I do think they win. I do think it's close. And my only concern, like I said, is more the mental part of this game. Brian, this has been awesome. Thanks for making time for us. I'd love to do this again in the future. Thanks a ton. It's, it's always a pleasure talking Gopher football, especially with those who have put on the pads and played for the program. And, and I have to give you a plug, too, obviously. Still holding on strongly, a firm grasp on uh, second for all-time passing yards at the U. Well, I don't think that's going to last much longer. So. <laughs> However long that lasts, that's not going to be much longer. But, again, I enjoyed it. I had two great running backs with me, so that changed our passing game a little bit as well. But it is what it is, and it's still a great experience. Brian, thanks a ton. Get home safely. All right, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. That is Brian Cupido, former starting quarterback at the University of Minnesota for the Golden Gophers, joining us on this edition of the Gopher Show. Always fun to get former players 
on the line. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to catch up with Adam Rosso, a reporter for the Hawkeye headquarters. He covers the Hawkeyes for three different TV stations across Iowa. We'll get his insight. We'll dig deep into Iowa and get ready for the Gophers and Iowa from Kinnick this Saturday at 3 o'clock. Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. Welcome back to the Score North Gophers show. As mentioned, Adam Rosso, reporter for the Hawkeye headquarters, covering the Hawkeyes for three different TV stations across Iowa, joins us here on this edition of the Score North Gophers show. Adam, thanks for joining us. And again, I, I love the last name. I know when we were exchanging emails back and forth, they said anybody who's got the name Ross somewhere in their name can have a spot on the Score North Gophers show. Exactly, man. You nailed the pronunciation, too, of the last name, so you know you know what you're doing with the uh, the first four letters, for sure. Do you get that butchered a lot? I've been asked before, believe it or not. My real name is Ross. I've been asked if that's, like, short for Robert. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a little bit of a Rossow every once in a while, like, you know, like a pig, I guess. But, no, uh, typically, once you say it once, everybody remembers it, so. Okay, all right. Well, Adam, you are, I believe, are you not, are you born and raised Minnesotan? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yep, I grew okay. up in uh, Lee Sewer, so just what about an hour south of the cities there, and then I actually went to Carleton College and played football there, and then obviously worked for a little bit for uh, 1500 ESPN before you guys rebranded, and then came down here uh, about three years ago now. So. so you really, in all honesty, I can't think of many better people who can speak to this Minnesota-Iowa rivalry because you've seen it now on both sides. And I think that'll actually lend itself to being a, a really nice perspective. Iowa heads into the game this Saturday. They're 6-3, and three, but their three losses are to Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin, Adam. You could, you could really argue that Iowa does not have a bad loss at all on the season. I think this is just going to be an incredibly fun matchup on Saturday. Absolutely, and it's three losses by, what, combined 14 points, I think. So they've all been of one-possession losses. Each one a little bit uh, in different fashion. Last week at the Wisconsin game, Nate Stanley stopped at the goal line on the game-tying two-point conversion. They don't get it in. Um, at Michigan, their offense was just a debacle. The offensive line gave up eight sacks. They couldn't get anything going against that Michigan defense. And then the Penn State game was, was kind of just a, a slog on both sides. Penn State ended up taking, a I think, an 11-point lead in the second half. Iowa came back with a touchdown, but... Really, any one of these teams, I'd say, outside of Ohio State, kind of that next tier in the Big Ten, it, it seems like it's pretty even. And obviously, with the, the year the Gophers are having, they've, um, they've jumped into that tier. In those three losses for Iowa, Adam, they've struggled to score points. Has there been a common denominator as to why that's happened? Well, a couple things. Um, first of all, they, when they've gotten either across the 50 or into the red zone, they've, they've settled for field goals. Um, Iowa's kicker, Keith Duncan, he's actually set the school record for field goals already with three games to play. So that tells you something. He's got 22 made field goals. I think he's only got 18 or 19 extra points. So they've really struggled to punch it into the end zone. Um, last week, Wisconsin, they get a huge turnover, I think, on Wisconsin's second possession inside the, the 15, inside the 10, actually, of Wisconsin. And they end up just going, you know, basically gaining two yards and kicking a field goal. It's, it's been that type of um, ineptitude on the plus side of the field for Iowa that's really risen up in each one of these losses. Before I chatted with you, the last segment, I had Brian Cupido on. I know you're you're familiar with that name, former Gopher oh, yeah, quarterback. quarterback. Yep. yep, from 2004 to 2006. And I asked him about this rivalry specifically and just said, where where does this rank? You know, the Gophers technically have four trophy games, throwing Penn State into that mix, Michigan, Iowa, and Wisconsin. He basically said that, in his mind, Wisconsin and Iowa were basically – I, I, I don't remember his exact quote, but basically they were, they were the same, right? They were 1A, 1B. I think that was kind of my comparison, actually, when he was done answering the question. How does this rivalry, maybe two-part question, how does this rank with the players? Do you have a sense of that? And how do the fans view this rivalry? You know, Iowa really does put an emphasis on all these trophy games. So they also have four. They obviously play Iowa State, um, Wisconsin, 
Nebraska and then Minnesota. I think for the historical perspective, this one's right up there with Iowa State for um, for Iowa because you know it's it's what are they at 112 something odd games in this rivalry? I mean, they've been playing it for you know, 130 years almost. It's one of those where I think the, the coaching staff and Kirk Ferentz really hammers home the importance of this historically, just how long it's been around, how long they've been playing for. First, the real pig, as you guys know, back in the 30s, and they switched it to obviously what Floyd is today, the bronze pig. But it's 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 definitely up there with Iowa State, I would say. I think the one thing that maybe would would put Wisconsin in that tier for Iowa is just how Wisconsin and Iowa's rivalry since basically Ferentz took over has been, you know, a lot of times for first or second in either the division or the entire conference because it's been such a a tough battle. Whereas this rivalry, to me, it seems like it, it it swings back and forth. You know, you had well, the late '90s, Minnesota dominated uh, three or four games in a row. Then Iowa came back with a few wins in a row, and then it's kind of teetered back and forth. And obviously, Iowa was one uh, six of seven now, so it, it's it's been back and forth and, and and unpredictable. I know I went to a couple of the games back. I want to say 2010, 2011, both games at the bank, and they were close, knocked down, drag them out, and they were they were one at the end. I remember Marquise Gray carrying the pig off, and, and people storming the field. So obviously, it, it's it's one of the best and oldest rivalries in college football, and I think. The nice thing, the cool thing about Ferentz and his staff, they always provide some perspective like that, which I think juices up the players uh, in the rivalry. Three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. That's it's. I've been to Kinnick a few times. I think unless it was going to be a night game, which we all knew it wasn't going to be, that crowd's going to be ready and raring to go for a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've they've set a precedent in these games before. You know, they they are. I don't think they're technically out of the West race. But, you know, basically they are. It'd be, have to be a bunch of tiebreakers and whatnot. So we've seen this in 2016. They they went to Penn State, got throttled there, and they came home and played a 9-0 Michigan team at night. And it was a typical Kirk Ferentz, you know, knockdown, drag him out game. I think it was a 16-14 final. Then in 2017, they went to Madison, got just absolutely obliterated up there. They came back and, you know, beat Ohio State 55-24 to knock them out of the, the running for the playoffs. So there is a track record here. Um, I do think you're right. That the fans will be ready. But there is a little bit of, I'm not going to say hangover, but these last couple of years I think the fan base down here expected them to win the West in one of these years. You know, you got a guy like A.J. Epinesa on the outside who's going to be a, a first-round pick. Stanley's experienced at quarterback. They've had some good pieces. Obviously, the former Minnesota prep, Mahatmamani Hooker, who's now in the NFL. you got another guy this year, Geno Stone, that's taken his place. He'll probably go to the NFL. So they've had pieces in place. It's been the close losses that I think the fan base is, is getting a little restless, um, getting used to here in the last couple of years when I think they've had a team that definitely could or should win the West. It's funny you would mention that because I did want I did write this down. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is, Kurt Ferentz has had a ton of success there since he got there in 1999, but I was a little interested to pick your brain a little bit on just what is the temperature on him currently? What is the read on him? Because from from how I view this, Adam, I look at this and I, if it was me, I don't think I could be any more happier with the state of the program if I was a Hawkeyes fan. Just just what they've done, where they came from, where they are. There's been some ebbs and flows, but I actually put something in front of me. I threw out everything from 1999 to 2012. Not that it not that it doesn't matter, but I just want a snapshot of recent. And yes, you mentioned not winning the West. The last three years, you have a second, a third, and a second mixed in there. But I just look at those bowl games. I mean, my goodness, Minnesota, if we can get to that here for the Gopher program, these bowl games... Outback, Pinstripe, Outback, Rose, Tax Slayer, Gator Bowl, basically. Outback. To me, can you realistically ask for much more than that? I'm not sure you can. I think there's uh, two thermometers, if you will. Let's look at it that way. So you have the outside uh, public social media thermometer, which, honestly, that rises and falls dramatically each game. I'll tell you what, like last week in the first half, you watched Hawkeye fans on on social media interact it was we got to change everything this offense is awful we can't do it like like fire them all basically then you flip to the second half when they put a little tempo in place they started coming back against a really good Wisconsin defense 
And people are then back kind of on board with, wow, okay, they just needed to, you know, start that earlier. They needed to change things up earlier. I, I think internally, the internal thermometer, I, I don't think anybody, there's the temperature is not hot at all. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, the grass is always greener for fans, but you talk to people around the athletic program, and most notably, you talk to former players and how Kirk Ferentz is regarded by his former players, by people in the NFL. Um, by, the, by the true football people and the true um, people that matter, I guess, at, at the University of Iowa, he'll coach until he doesn't want to anymore. And I think he's earned that right, obviously. I mean, he's, what, third in the Big Ten all-time in wins or second or something like that. So he's earned it. It's just their brand of football isn't – it doesn't lend itself to um, a lack of criticism because it's not flashy. They don't blow a ton of teams out. It's a four-quarter game. They kind of play the patient-long game with certain teams and certain um, against certain offenses, and I think that fans don't like that. They they want to see, you know, a dominant rushing attack like Wisconsin, or they want to see every few years like the Gophers where they come up and they can throw the deep ball. They have some stud receivers that can really get them down the field quickly. And Iowa just does what they do. You hear every coach say that. Coach Flex said that. Coach Chris said it last week. Iowa does what they do. And they just do it well. They just think they can out-execute you in, you know, all facets of the game. And so I, I think that the whole thing you're seeing with everybody but Wisconsin in the West is look how much turnover there's been. I mean, every other program has had multiple coaches in the last 10, 12 years. You get a guy like Ferentz who is highly regarded. They develop players, and they constantly are above 500. I think that's all you can ask for with the caveat of you do have to rise up and win the West every few years, and so far they've done that only once since they switched to the division format. So I think that's maybe where you could criticize him, that they haven't been able to get over the hump against some of these teams, whether it's Northwestern last year or Wisconsin you know, perennially. Um, but I, I do think that around football circles, I mean, he's, he's regarded as one of the top 15 to 20 coaches in the country, bar none. And I think people in the NFL would say that, and I think people around the country in college would definitely say that too. Well, that stability, that's one thing that Coach Flex talked about here. He said multiple times, I'll get the quote a little bit wrong, but basically we've had four coaches here in eight years, four coaches in nine years. It's really tough to build that stability and, using PJ's word, build that culture when there's always turnover. I really admire that about Iowa, and for me going back to the Gopher-Penn State game on Saturday – that's what I admired about how the Gophers won. For a while, I thought, well, maybe they'll maybe they'll unveil some wrinkles for the game. Maybe Penn State will see something that nobody's seen all year. But that's not what happened. The Gophers won that game by being the same team they've been pretty much all Big Ten season. And it's really fun to see that. Really fun for me to listen to. I know Kirk Ferentz met the media, I believe, on Tuesday. And it was fun listening to what he had to say about Minnesota. It seems like there is some some real genuine respect for where the programs come. And he basically said, yeah, they're they're a top 10 team and they've earned that. That was kind of fun to see, especially from one of the uh, elder statesmen in the Big Ten, if you will, to one of the uh, the newer guys. Yeah, and he said that, you know, even last year is very complimentary of the Gophers receivers. And he said this year, obviously, they're he thinks they're the best in the Big Ten, but Overall, as a program, yeah, as you said, very um, kind of gave some perspective saying, you know, anytime you're 9-0 and or undefeated in your conference, if you're in the Power Five, that's something. He's like, he kind of thinks that, and he says this week in, week out, that it's not easy to win on the road in the Big Ten. It's not easy to win at home in the Big Ten. I think if anybody, Minnesota's proven that the last couple of years, where week to week it just fluctuates back and forth between stellar performance and awful performance, and now this year, Minnesota's got that consistency, like you said, where they're playing their game, forcing other teams, they're dictating how other teams play them, not the other way around. And that breeds consistency, like you said. And I, I think the interesting thing to me, and I asked Ferentz this question, was, you know, Hayden Fry, I was big mantra as the swarm. They're all together as a swarm. They, they do things program-wide uh, based on togetherness and, and, you know, being for the brother next to you. And I asked him, I said, you know, Hayden brought that to Iowa City. Hayden Fry brought that in 1979. Three years later, they went to a Rose Bowl. I said, how do you get players to buy into that? And is the same thing happening with Coach Fleck in Minnesota? And, and he said, essentially, a, a, a slogan or a mantra is a mantra until you get that culture and that team to buy in. And once the players do, that's when you see results. 
and hit the nail on the head, right? Like, p- people say what you want about Fleck. He's gotten the kids to buy into what they're selling with some of these slogans and obviously row the boat. And I think now it's, it's, it's proof that that's how programs are built and that's how that consistency that you mentioned, that's how that's achieved, that you have a standard and you have a philosophy that either you're in it or you leave the program. You're not going to be around anymore. And I think he's, that's, that's one thing that, other than probably uh, Coach Mason, uh, Minnesota hasn't really had that in the last 30 or 40 years. One thing I love to do when we go behind enemy lines, if you will, is ask people who are close to the program, if I was going to win on Saturday, I love phrasing this question. You can just put the new team into the question. If I was going to win on Saturday and they win and they beat Minnesota, Minnesota suffers their first loss of the season, what has Iowa done well? How have they done that? Uh, I think they've limited the big plays, number one. That's the thing that they try to achieve every week. But limited the big chunk plays um, against that Minnesota offense, and specifically the pass that's so efficient. Uh, They're, what, number four, I think, in the country passing efficiency. If Iowa can essentially make Minnesota drive the field, make them put together eight, ten, twelve-play drives, rather than these two-play 70-yard drives with, you know, Tyler Johnson or Bateman with a 40-yard touchdown pass, Make them drive the field one, and then I also think, too, Iowa's defensive line is going to have to get their hands up in passing lanes and deflect some passes and also get to get to Tanner Morgan. Um, I think he was only sacked one time last week against Penn State. Iowa typically, uh, they need to flip field position just because their offense isn't great, and they need to force some turnovers. And their defensive line, you know, anchored by Epinesa, who I mentioned before, he's a guy that's got to be active, and they've got to be able to, if not – sack Morgan they have to be able to hit him and force him to throw it maybe a little bit quicker than he wants to you know looking looking at their schedule Ross like this will be the toughest environment they played in this year bar none I mean since Camp Randall last year Kinnick you know Rutgers and Purdue aren't necessarily heralded for their road environments Kinnick's going to be tougher for this entire offense to to manage and I think that's where maybe that defensive line could get a little bit of an edge on Minnesota's offensive line and that's how I think Iowa has a path to obviously win this game. Yeah, and I think without a doubt, I think that's a great point, Adam, because if you go back and you look at Minnesota's road schedule and you're trying to think of, boy, where did they have a tough environment? The toughest has probably been Fresno State, and that's obviously no Kinnick. And some of these players on this team, they'll remember Kinnick, but for obviously any freshmen and some of the sophomores, you know, the Rashad Batemans of the world, this is going to be their first um, experience with Kinnick. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Final question for you. We kind of got into it a little bit, but is this is this game for Kirk Ferentz in Iowa? If they can win it, they get to 7-3. and three. I don't want to say a season-saving win because I don't view Iowa's 6-3 and three record as really all that bad at all. But can this win really help catapult them into the final weeks and maybe put them in a warm-weather destination for a bowl game because right now it's six and three it could go either way yeah and a lot of things the the players talked about on tuesday was exactly what you're saying that you know if they win count the bowl game if they win their last four that's a 10 win season and i think even under fairness they've only had four 10 win seasons 10 wins or more so they they can still get into rare territory for the program if they win out and you know obviously it's another trophy game like i said they they didn't get the heartland trophy last week from wisconsin None of these players have lost the pig, obviously, because they won four straight in the in the matchup. So there's a lot there's a lot of incentive on on this game, just for I think that reason, the, the chance to actually have you know one of the better seasons in Iowa history. But also I'll come back to that first point where one of they they need to win one of these games that they haven't been able to win the last couple of years. Um, last year they hosted Wisconsin and lost. They went to Penn State. They had a chance to win at the end. They were picked at the goal line. Last week stopped at the goal line. Michigan, Penn State, the list goes on. And I think eventually um, some people, whether it's recruits, whether it's fans, whether it's you know other coaches, whether it's players on the team, need to get over the hump and, and defeat, obviously, a very quality opponent and in a close game. And I think everybody expects this to be a one-possession game. And I think the narrative, if they lose another one-possession game at home, another one possession game to a ranked team it's going it's there there is going to be some doubt creeping in because the last 2 years that's kept them from winning the west and you know i, I think minnesota's on the rise so 
it's it's not a crossroads for the programs per se, but I do think there is motivation and, and some maybe long term perspective on this just to continue on that path and keep churning and doing what they're doing because you know symptoms of close games close losses that's traditionally how Kirk's built this program that's when they have their great years you can look back at the Rose Bowl year their Orange Bowl years back in the day they found ways to win close games and this year and last year with very good roster they haven't found ways to win those games so that's kind of what's on the line for Iowa I think if you asked me before the season, I thought that this was a chance for the Gophers to come in and win regardless of how they were playing. Now I think it's, it's, it's gotten a lot tougher, right? There's expectations, and Iowa is coming off a tough loss, a few tough losses. So this one, I think what the oddsmakers have it at 2.5 or 3, and everybody's kind of wondering how the Gophers aren't favored, but I think it's because of the past history with Iowa and with just the way they tr- trend or tend to bounce back after kind of having their um, their hopes of a, of a title slipping away. The beauty of college football, it is such a week-by-week sport, maybe even more week-by-week than the NFL, and you don't typically know until you know and the game goes final. It's going to be a ton of fun on Saturday. Adam, I hope you have a ton of fun covering the game, and thanks for making time for us. It is greatly appreciated here on the Score North Gopher Show. We'll make sure we uh, – catch up a little bit down the road when the Gophers and Hawkeyes meet in basketball, if you don't mind. Definitely, definitely. Early December, I believe. Circle it on the calendar, Adam. All right, sounds good. (laughs) Appreciate you guys having me, Ross. Thank you, sir. That is Adam Rosso. He is with Hawkeye Headquarters covering the Hawkeyes for three TV stations across Iowa. Grateful for his time on this edition of the Score North Gophers show. Again, going behind enemy lines, if you will, going deep into the Iowa Hawkeyes. My thanks as well to Brian Cupido, who we heard from early on. Believe it or not, we were touching base with Brian at an airport in Bismarck, so grateful to catch up with him and had to bring in my good buddy Manny Hill as well because Manny has uh, been with me through the ups and downs of a lot of gopher football games, so it was fun to get his take on the big victory over Penn State last Saturday. Don't forget Daniel House, James Murphy. They'll recap the Iowa game, win or lose. Look for them later on this weekend if not early next week, recapping the Gophers and Iowa. That'll do it for the midweek edition of the Score North Gophers show. Thank you so much for listening wherever it is that you found this podcast. And please, as I like to tell you, tell a friend and give us a great review if you wouldn't mind. We would certainly appreciate that.